Hello, and welcome to the Spring Podcast, where socialist ideas take action. I am your host, Laura Conrad. The Spring Podcast is recorded from Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, and is produced by the Spring Socialist Network. Hello and welcome everyone. Today's episode, we are so lucky to have with us Lisa Cameron. After one too many bad bosses, Lisa Cameron became both a labor activist and organizer in Halifax, Chibuktuk. She is an active member of the Halifax Workers Action Center and has written for several publications about the need for improved worker protections. Hello, Lisa. Welcome. Hey, Laura. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay. So can you tell us about the Halifax Workers Action Center? What does it do? Yeah. um, So the Halifax Workers Action Center was established in 2017. We offer free legal information and support to low-wage and marginalized workers who are facing employment issues. Uh, We also host educational events to teach people about basics of employment law and push for improvements to provincial labor and employment legislation. Um, Our slogan, which we just kind of solidified, is educate, agitate, organize. Uh, And so by educating workers about their rights, we uh, believe that they can learn how to defend themselves against employer noncompliance. And I say this from personal experience, but another really important aspect is that in the process of learning about your workplace rights, you also learn how much is lacking in the way of protections for workers. So like a tangle with a bad boss and then a call to the Halifax Workers Action Center ideally will help bring people into a movement that they may not have connected with before. You know, like workplace injustice is awful, but it's also an excellent organizing opportunity. So like when we realize or have a chance to realize the systemic nature of our individual workplace problem, organize and then stand united, we can push for legislative improvements that we need to ensure that all workers are safe. So that's a a really important principle behind the Halifax Workers Action Center. And how did you first get involved with the Halifax Workers Action Center? Um, Well, like you said, uh, when you were reading out my bio after one too many bad bosses, um, like I'd worked in retail, uh, food service, customer service, um, and eventually became involved in a group formerly known as the Fight for 15 and Fairness campaign in Kingston, Ontario, which is where I was living. Um, And at that point, like what motivated me to get involved in Fight for 15 was uh, basically the realization that while, yes, there's value in critiquing and combating your bad bosses individually, there's clearly a fundamental problem with the nature of employment and the way that we structure employment and that that structure often results in unfair and even like dangerous, in some cases, outcomes for workers. So um, the issue of legal assistance and education for workers was something I became and remain very passionate about. Like when I started employment, I had no idea what my rights are were. Like uh, my coworkers didn't know what their rights were. Um, and I believe that the legal system benefits from and even profits off of our ignorance of it. So when the law is understood by those it oppresses, like workers, minimum wage workers, vulnerable workers, it makes their exploitation more difficult, which I guess is a roundabout way of saying that legal knowledge is power. Um, And at one of the Fight for 15 and Fairness meetings in Kingston, I met Dave Bush, who is also a member of Spring. Uh, And I told him that I was planning on moving to Halifax, and he told me that there was a workers' action center that was just getting started and that I should get involved, which I did. And um, I really loved how the Workers' Action Center aligned with my perspective on access to justice. So now I'm the staff organizer. 
Can you tell us about some of the key employment challenges in Nova Scotia right now? And what are some of the urgent goals of the labor movement that the Workers Action Center is advancing? Um, yeah, so Nova Scotia has some of the worst labor and employment legislation in the country. Uh, so, for example, the minimum wage, which just recently went up marginally in April, is now $13.35 per hour. And this is still almost $10 an hour less than what is considered to be a livable wage in the city of Halifax. Um, so unlivable wages aren't a minor problem in Nova Scotia either. Uh, and this is slightly outdated now, but I remember that in 2017, the number of Nova Scotians earning less than $15 an hour accounted for over a quarter of the province's workforce. And I, even though that is like a while ago, I mean, it, it certainly hasn't gotten better, I'm sure. And uh, I think it really points to how like wide scale, low wages are as an issue in Nova Scotia. Um, and also, although this is a matter of residential tenancy law, what compounds the issue of low wages is the fact that Nova Scotia lacks permanent rent control legislation, meaning that rental costs in the province are increasing rapidly, while the minimum wage isn't even keeping up with inflation. And I think, you know, recently, it's been nice to see the Workers Action Center and the labor movement work closely with um, ACORN and, you know, groups that are, are dealing with more of the, the residential tenancy side of injustice, because the two issues are very interconnected. Um, so like to put it all in context, the average cost of a one bedroom apartment in Halifax is almost $1,500 per month. So for a low wage earner making ends meet is very hard, if not impossible in Halifax. Um, and then, I mean, like another, just for examples of Nova Scotia uh, employment law, another not so fun fact is that Nova Scotia's work week, legally speaking, is 48 hours long. So this means that most workers in Nova Scotia have to work over 48 hours before they are entitled to an overtime rate of pay of 1.5 times. Um, and that is the longest work week in the country. I think there are some other provinces that also have 48 hour work weeks, but it's definitely on the high end. Um, and like the list goes on, but those are just some examples of things that the Halifax Workers Action Center would like to see improve. Um, and like obviously COVID has shed light on things like the need for employer paid sick days, uh, limits on an employer's ability to request medical documentation. And those are definitely uh, still two priorities of the labor movement. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to answer the phone at the Workers Action Center? What sorts of complaints are you hearing the most? Um, yeah, so I, um, first off, I really love connecting with workers and beyond just offering legal information, I like offering emotional support as well. Um, when it comes to instances of workplace injustice, the Halifax Workers Action Center is kind of like a first responder. So like I've had several callers who are still sitting in their car in their workplace parking lot, just having been fired without cause or warning. And like, they're trying to recount their story to me while they're crying. Um, and like, since I've started, tears and anxiety attacks are something I've become pretty used to, unfortunately. Um, a lot of workers are really, really upset at the time they first call us. And uh, I understand what it feels like as well. So the compassion or camaraderie really comes easily to me. Uh, most of the time, it feels like I'm just talking to a coworker or a friend who's having a really hard time. Um, and I notice that a lot of workers tell their story to me as if they have to convince me that they didn't deserve what happened. 
And like, obviously I'm on their side, but naturally, and I think because of uh, the nature of employment relationships and the powers that their boss has over them, they often assume that I'm going to like side with their boss or that's sometimes what I, what it feels like. And that's never the case. Like we're on their side. Um, Another thing is that from the caller's perspective, it's clear that they feel very alone and that their workplace situation, like as if their workplace situation is like very unique to them. And like they see their boss as extraordinarily bad and what happens to them is extraordinarily unfair. And it is, and I agree. But like all kinds of abuse, workplace abuse is designed to make the, the victim feel isolated and to feel responsible for what happened. So callers at the Workers' Action Center don't often realize that like on the same day as their call, like on the same day that they called me, I may have taken like four other calls from distraught workers in very similar situations. Um, so like obviously the specifics of every situation vary, but the root issue is the same to me, which is that workers are vulnerable to abuse and employers exploit that vulnerability. Um, and like, I think you and I have talked, Laura, about the power of the Me Too movement. Like when victims spoke out, there was an opportunity to realize that sexual violence wasn't like a them problem or a me problem. Um, you know, and likewise, uh, as aggrieved workers, we aren't alone. This is happening everywhere. And I think that talking to each other or talking to someone on the phone about that can really help. As for what kinds of complaints are most common, I would say that almost everyone who calls the WAC has been wrongfully terminated. Um, so not always, but that's that's definitely really, really common. Um, so for example, people call after being fired for reporting instances of sexual harassment and being deemed a troublemaker at work. Or um, another one is like being injured on the job and then replaced by a much younger worker before you've even returned from medical leave that you needed because of a workplace injury. Or, um, you know, people being fired within a week of disclosing their pregnancy to their boss. That's super common, unfortunately. So I'd also say that a lot of uh, what the Workers' Action Center hears uh, is complaints of discrimination um, of some kind, like for reasons like gender, disability, race, sexual orientation, etc. I've heard you talk about the value of self-advocacy. Can you explain why you feel self-advocacy is so important? Yeah, um, I think that the process of self-advocacy can be very healing. Um, I think it can give people a chance to regain some control in an unfair situation. And I also think that it can help people build trust in themselves. Um, and I think that learning about the law and using the law to push back People see how vulnerable they are legally, but they also see the power that they have to resist. Um, so that's a really positive spin on things. I know that it's not quite so simple or ideal. Um, and I also know that the outcomes aren't always fair, but I think that in the process of like, for example, writing and delivering a legal demand letter to your bad boss or like representing yourself in small claims court or filing a human rights complaint, while those things are very challenging, I think it's valuable experience because, um, like for one, it puts people in intimate contact with the systems that are failing them, which definitely isn't pleasant, but I think it's an education and I think that that can be positive. And like another thing is that like ultimately they're holding their employers accountable. Bosses are so used to getting away with things. So my hope, and I'm sure that this is true, is that it often teaches bosses to think twice before they do it again to someone else. So when a worker stands up for themselves, it's, it's not easy. It's, it doesn't always end perfectly. The outcomes aren't always exactly what you'd want or fair or even remotely fair sometimes, but it's still, there's a lot of positive that can come out of it. And, and that's something I really love.
you've talked a lot about bad bosses. Is there such thing as a good boss? Well, um, nobody calls the Workers' Action Center to tell me about how great their boss is. Um, so if good bosses exist, I don't hear about them. But I, I believe that positive relationships are possible. I believe that there are good people out there who resist the temptation to abuse the power that is available to them. Um, so I guess I think that some bosses are nicer than others. Uh, but at the end of the day, the potential for abuse is there, and that's the key issue. Like, to me, the issue isn't mean people being mean or mean bosses being mean. Because if that were the case, like, where would we start? For me, the issue is the potential for abuse in employment relationships. And I think there are concrete ways that this can be addressed. So, like, things such as proactive, adequate employment legislation, um, uh, proper enforcement of the laws that exist, uh, simplified complaints processes in instances of non-compliance. Like our legal system is so inaccessible and so hard to work with, especially as, you know, if you don't have any experience with it. So making, um, making that system more accessible is super important. And then of course, an easier path, um, for workers to unionize because, uh, that really is the most effective way and powerful way for us to combat the issue of of injustice against workers. I know that the Halifax Workers Action Center is fundraising right now. What are you fundraising for and how can people donate? Um, yeah, so I think the fact that workers in Nova Scotia are struggling um, is uh, is pretty obvious. And, and so then, therefore, as word spreads about the Halifax Workers Action Center, our phone rings more and more. And like as a small, mostly volunteer-based organization, we really are struggling to keep up. Um, and also, you know, as a worker who has been in distress and who has tried to navigate those complex processes, I know the value of the Workers' Action Center because what we offer takes time, energy, knowledge, and emotion. And that's not always easy to find. Um, like lawyers, for example, are outrageously expensive. Um, to put it into perspective, someone once told me that there was a study conducted that found that most lawyers couldn't afford lawyers. Um, and I have never found that study. I've looked for it. And I don't even know if it's real, but I love that because it conveys that access to our legal system or access to legal knowledge has basically been reduced to a luxury or like maybe it's always been that way. And I know that the Halifax WAC is helping to bridge that gap. We have a lot of callers who are like, oh, I, I spoke to a lawyer. They haven't even gotten anything done, and it's already cost them $1,000. Like, they, they haven't even received any help. They just basically sat down with a lawyer just to explain the situation. And, and like, already that's most of the money that they had saved up. So I know that the Workers' Action Center is helping, again, like, bridge that gap. Um, and so to keep going and growing, though, we need more funds and as the staff organizer, I am the Workers' Action Center's biggest expense. So we're fundraising to keep the position of organizer. And then hopefully, like dare to dream, but one day I would love to have a coworker. Um, like I'd love to see the Workers' Action Center expand uh, as far as our capacity and ability goes. So yeah, if you believe that workers deserve better protections and advocacy, I would really love if you would donate to the Halifax Workers' Action Center. And I can share our links to, um, to donate with you, Laura. And we can share that link to donate in the show notes for anyone listening who would like to donate to the Halifax Workers Action Center. 
Lisa, your work as a labor activist sounds like it comes with many challenges. Have you experienced burnout before? And what advice would you have for anyone who might be experiencing activist burnout? Um, yes, I have experienced burnout. And I think that was something that um, when I got involved in labor activism, I was so excited that I didn't regulate my energy at all. And I, I just like I went for it and I couldn't get enough. And um, it, that led to being employed as a union organizer for a couple of years. And so then it was sort of like my extracurriculars, if that's the right word, that was labor organizing and activism. And my job was labor organizing and activism. And, you know, COVID was really hard on everyone. And I think I coped with the difficulty of that time um, through work. And I just like, I, I think I was just working so, so much. And it's really strange because people had talked about burnout and I think it's not a very clear concept. Like you don't really know what it is before you've had it. And all of a sudden I was talking to my coworker and I was like, my eyes aren't opening all the way. That was the first thing I noticed. Um, and I just, it, it devolved into really bad insomnia, um, not being able to like eat. And I eventually, yeah, uh, almost collapsed from, I guess, exhaustion. I don't really know what happened. Um, but that was definitely a bit of a wake up call. And, um, I think like that sort of happened towards the end of 2020 and the impact lasted throughout 2021. Um, I'm, I don't know if it's like the spring in the air, no pun intended, but I am finally feeling like I have a bit more energy now and I'm like able to take more on. Um, like obviously I've still been working as a labor activist in the meantime, but I guess my advice to people would be just like, it's, there's so much to do as a labor activist, like every, it'll, if, if that's your perspective on the world, it just like, it looks like at every turn there's more to be done. And that's the truth, but the movement isn't going to benefit from your, uh, experience or energy or expertise or, you know, anything. If, if you're too tired or exhausted or, or burnt out and, and you're not like, it's going to make every aspect of your life really hard. So not to be too, too doom and gloom about it. And I think that the way that you can deal with it is just like keeping an eye on your energy, making like cutting out time for other things, saying no. Um, Laura, you and I have talked about like turning off your phone after a certain point, not answering calls on weekends. Um, I think, you know, you really have to set those boundaries yourself. And I'd say also as women that that can be really, really hard, but yeah. I don't know if I'm really the expert on how to avoid burnout. I just know that uh, I'm really working hard to make sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you for sharing that with us, Lisa. And thank you for being here um, today. We so appreciate your work with the Halifax Workers Action Center. We appreciate you coming here and sharing their vision with us. And thank you for your time. Thanks, Laura. Nice chatting with you. Thank you for listening to the Spring Podcast. To learn more about Spring, visit our website at springmag.ca. We welcome your feedback. If you have questions or ideas for future podcast episodes, you can send us an email at info at springmag.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast.